You are on the line, live on ESPN, 106.7 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports, 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Wednesday edition of the show. Hour number one officially underway here on ESPN 106.7 in Auburn, Opelika and on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 up through Birmingham and Sylacauga. Hope you're all doing well on this Wednesday afternoon. Happy June. It is officially June 1st. So we are out of May into June. It's officially, in my book, it's officially summer. I know the official summer day is not what, to like June 20th or June 23rd, somewhere around in there. But once it hits June and schools are all let out, that's pretty much when summer starts in my book. So happy summer to all of you. Happy June. Hope you're all doing well on this uh, cloudy, overcast Wednesday afternoon here in the Auburn Opelika area. Got a great show on tap for you today, as always. And you can call in, be a part of the show at any time this afternoon. Give me a call about anything I'm talking about, anything that you want to talk about, anything that's on your mind in the sports world. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love for you to call in, be a part of the show, and get involved. And you can call in 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Those are the numbers to put you through to me right here in the studio, and we'll put you on the air. You can call in about anything you want to talk about in the sports world. And, uh, yeah, you can be a part of the show. I love hearing from you. We've got a lot to talk about today. 94 days until college football begins for Auburn. We are 94 days away from September 3rd. I will have that countdown for you every single day. And it's going to fly between now and then. I promise you that. So 94 days until college football kicks off for Auburn on September 3rd. But not talking about Auburn football right now. A little bit of Auburn basketball news that we get to talk about to open up the Wednesday edition of On the Line. We've got some players coming back for Auburn basketball and a couple of players that are big keys and big pieces to the roster for Bruce Pearl, Stephen Pearl, and this coaching staff over at Auburn. Two guys that put their names into the NBA draft and tried to test the waters, tried to see where they stood when it came to the NBA draft and NBA scouts. They went and worked out a little bit and talked to some NBA reps, maybe some NBA teams, and kind of felt where they stood in an NBA draft. And these two guys didn't feel like they were quite ready to go all the way to the NBA, didn't feel like that they were going to go as high or even go where they needed to go. And they have officially both withdrew their names from the NBA draft and will be coming back to play for Auburn basketball next season. The first one was over the weekend, Dylan Cardwell. He will be coming back to Auburn for his junior year, the center for Auburn who brings more energy and more heart than anybody you'll ever see on a basketball floor. 
He pulled his name from the NBA draft over the weekend. He announced he is coming back to Auburn to play for another season. And he has a lot of heart. He has a lot of energy. He shows it and wears it on his uniform every single time he steps on the floor. And also, as of today, of just a little bit ago, this afternoon, early morning, Alan Flanagan, who had also put his name into the NBA draft and decided to test the waters, figure out where he was and whether where he was going to get drafted, if he was going to get drafted at all. And as of today, he officially confirmed he will be withdrawing his name from the NBA draft and will be coming back to play his senior season at Auburn as well. So Dylan Cardwell and Alan Flanagan both coming back to play for Bruce Pearl and Auburn basketball. This is big-time news, folks. It is. These are two players that make big impacts for this Auburn team. They're two players that have been with Auburn for a while, and all they can do is help, I hope, when they come back. So Dylan Cardwell, Alan Flanagan coming back to play for Auburn basketball. I'm going to break down the pros and cons of both of these guys coming back to play for Auburn. I'm going to talk about why they decided to declare for the NBA and ultimately why they decided to come back. And also there's one more guy who is joining the team that you don't know him very well, but you do know his brother. So we're going to talk about that as well. And then ultimately in this first 30 minutes, where does Auburn basketball stand right now? Where is the program at? Where's the team at? And what can we expect since it is June 1st? We do have a little bit until basketball season, but what can we expect from this Auburn basketball team? That is what we are going to talk about here in the first 30 minutes of the Wednesday edition of On the Line. If you want to call in about Auburn basketball or about anything else, I'd love to hear from you. Call in, be a part of the show, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. And starting with Dylan Cardwell, because let's just be honest, I think there's a lot more positives of him coming back right now uh, than Alan Flanagan. I like Dylan Cardwell a lot. I think he he brings very good minutes when he steps on the floor. He very he makes very few mistakes, and I think that is what is important to recognize about Dylan Cardwell is when he steps on the floor, he does what he's supposed to do, and he makes very, very little mistakes. And when he does, he's going to own up to it, but they're not huge mistakes. Now, He's not normally playing in big-time, crunch-time moments, but he still doesn't turn the ball over very much. He doesn't make the wrong decision, and he always hustles. And that's something that you can't teach. You can to an extent, but that's a mindset of a guy that's just going to hustle and play his heart out every single minute he's on the floor because Dylan Cardwell is one of those players who understands He's not a starter on this team, and he understands he's not going to be the superstar like all of these guys were in high school, including Dylan Cardwell. You don't think he wasn't the the star in high school, a big fella that can rock the rim like that? He was, but not at Auburn. But he knows that, and so he knows that when he gets his chance to step on the basketball floor and wear that jersey that says Auburn across it, He's got to give it everything he's got. And that is something that I can respect. I respect that so much because he plays his heart out. He brings so much energy, whether it's on the road or at home. He's always bringing the energy. He tries to hype himself up. 
He tries to hype his team up. He tries to hype the crowd up. And it works. That's what's great is it works. He knows his role. He plays it well. And that's why he is such a big part of this Auburn program. Not just the team, but the program. Because he's been here multiple years now. And he's made his impact. There's a reason that you should be excited about Dylan Cardwell coming back. He's a perfect guy coming off the bench at the center position. He's not a starter. He won't be starting this year. Okay, he won't. Auburn has some guys with Johan Traore that I think will be starting, or Janai Broom, whoever, however they decide, or or I think either one of those guys could start. I was going to say or possibly Cardwell at times, but I just don't think so. I don't think Dylan Cardwell will be a starter, but he's the perfect guy to come off the bench. Perfect guy to come off the bench. Because again, he doesn't make mistakes, he plays with high energy, and he does his job. And there's no real, uh, there is, but not where it's noticeable. There's no drop off there. There's no drop off because he's not a starter, he is a bench player. And you can expect when you take the starters out and you put the bench in, yeah, there's going to be a little bit of drop-off. It's not going to be as good. But you don't really feel that a whole lot with Dylan Cardwell. You didn't feel that this past year when Walker Kessler was taken off the floor or Walker Kessler got in foul trouble and they put Dylan Cardwell in. The offense and defense didn't just come to a straight halt when Dylan Cardwell was in the floor or on the floor and in the game. That wasn't the case at all. When he came in, it was still a well-oiled machine. He did his job at the five position. He grabs rebounds. He blocks out. He grabs rebounds. He grabs alley-oops, and he dunks the basketball, and he runs. That's all you need. That's all he is expected to do. Now, Auburn has different guys to play the five this year, So he will be a breath of fresh air when he comes into the game because he is going to be your big, physical, not as athletic, big guy. And that's something that you have to have because the athletic shooting five is not going to be the best matchup every single game, night in, night out. And that's something you have to realize. So is this a good thing that Dylan Cardwell is coming back? Absolutely. Absolutely it is. And you should be excited about Dylan Cardwell coming back. You should. You should be excited. I am. I'm extremely excited for him and for Auburn to experience him for at least another year. He, this is his junior year. And he's, you know, he's trying to go to the NBA and he may be able to do so, but he's got some room to to improve, right? That's why he went to the NBA, tested himself and decided to come back for another year. The other player that's coming back and this guy obviously has a, a little bit of, of the downside, if you will. He's not as popular, I wouldn't say, is Alan Flanagan. He put his name into the NBA draft. He went and worked out, tested the waters a little bit, tried to see where, where he stood in the eyes of NBA executives and NBA draft prospects and, or draft analysts, if you will, and As of today, he decided he was coming back to play his senior season at Auburn because he realized, and he even said in his post, I think he put it on Instagram or Twitter or wherever he put it, he said, I know where I stand. There's some things I still need to improve on, but I'm in a good spot to fulfill my dream and play at the next level. 
So he's still trying to get there. And if you remember, just a couple of years ago, before Alan Flanagan went through a terrible leg injury, he was projected as a first-round draft pick. He was projected to be drafted in the first round of the NBA. Alan Flanagan. I didn't fully see it, but the NBA did. They saw something in him that they could work with. And I think that's what you have to look at right now. He has obviously, and I mean obviously, not been the same player since he had surgery and since he's been injured. That's just apparent. Everybody knows it. And I think he knows it too. Because we saw him get frustrated at times this past year because he physically could not do what he used to do. Can he get back to that point? I'm not sure. But if he can, I think he has potential to be something special. Do I think he has a long-term career in the NBA ahead of him? Not right now. But there's a reason that two years ago the NBA saw him as a first-round draft pick. It's not because he can shoot lights out. It's not because he's the best offensive player you've ever seen. It's not because he's the best defensive player you've ever seen. I think it was because of his potential. He's one of those players that is athletic and knows how to play the game of basketball. Yes, he makes the wrong decision a lot, right? He does that a lot. But the NBA and NBA scouts saw what they could do with this guy. And I think he has the potential to be a really, really good basketball player. Just a couple of years ago, he was the leader on this team. He was the leading scorer on this Auburn team. Do you remember that? When all we had was Alan Flanagan, who carried a team with nobody on it? He has the ability to do that. But we haven't seen it. And I will, I'll be the first one to say, I have... I have given my two cents on Alan Flanagan with Auburn basketball. I think there, there was a point last year where we needed to go a different direction. But I still like the guy. And I think he's good for Auburn. Obviously, his dad's a coach here. He likes to play here. And when he's good, he's good. But we expect him to be good because we know what he can be. So is it a good or bad thing that Alan Flanagan's coming back for another year? I think it's still a good thing. It can't hurt, realistically. You could Now, you could say, well, what if he plays bad? That could definitely hurt Auburn. I think Auburn has got to find a spot for him because here's the other part of it was two and three years ago when it was just Alan Flanagan on this team and he was the go-to guy, and he was dropping 20 points a game, he was the man. He was it. He was Auburn basketball. But that's not the case anymore. That's not the situation anymore. And so I think he's got to find a new role, and Auburn basketball has to find a new role for him as well. That's got to happen for Alan Flanagan and Auburn to both be successful with this little marriage that they've got going on, right? I had somebody calling in if you want to call back. Uh, it only rang about once. So if you want to call back in, please do. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, 334-321-1390. But look, it's a good thing that Alan Flanagan's coming back. And let me tell you why. He's got experience, and he's got a lot of things, right? Looks like, trying to see. We got a phone call. Let me go answer that real quick. We'll get him on the air. Stay tuned. 
for listening to On the Line. Please stay tuned as we take this phone call. You may get involved as well. Call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's head to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. We've got Dak from Columbus. Welcome in. Hey, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. I just wonder if his dad being a coach... Uh, doesn't hurt the situation. What, what's your feelings on that? Well, I mean, you know, obviously that connection has been made so many times that, you know, he's only starting because his dad's a coach, blah, blah, blah. I don't think that's the case. There was a time that he was a good starter. Um, it's not going to hurt his case that his dad's one of the assistant coaches, right? But I don't think well, I, that's the reason. Well, I guess the question is, does Bruce Pearl have the pressure on him to play him or start him? Because, you know, going into the tournament, I didn't think we should have started him, and, and it was a shocker to me that we did start him. And so let's say these new guys coming in, uh, you know, basically plants him on the bench. How is that going to go? I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Well, at this point, Alan Flanagan's a senior, and he's had his time to come back from an injury, and I think he had played last year due to his seniority and due to his experience. But I would say that his roster spot is probably it's probably up for grabs, and he's going to have to fight for it. And I don't I trust Bruce Pearl that if benching Allen Flanagan is the right move for the team, that he's going to do it, and that Wes Flanagan, Allen's dad, would understand because he's been around the game for a long time. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I hope so. I hope that's the case. And then uh, flipping uh, sports real quick, if I may, how what, the feeling of Penn State being a two o'clock game that that just killed us. Yeah, I mean, that that it, 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 I mean it's done. Yeah, I mean I hate yeah. to say it, man. We're zero for four in that two o'clock big time game uh, slot, and and the crowd after the first quarter will be dead because it's going to be so hot. The humidity is going to be terrible. And it's just not fair that we had to go play them at night and then they get a 2 o'clock game. Yeah, the 2.30 CBS kickoff, third week of September, is it's brutal down here in the Auburn area. It's brutal, and unfortunately it's out of Auburn's hands and it was completely up to TV and CBS. They snagged it. You know, they snagged it. I agree. It's not fair. That should be a night game. I 100% agree with you, man. And there's absolutely nothing we could have done about that. We couldn't refuse it. No, it's once it's all with the SEC and with TV contracts, and with SEC still being with CBS, they have first grabs at every single game every week, and they get to choose what game they want. And so CBS, they wanted it. They, it's probably the best game, and they decided they wanted it, so they got it. Dak, we appreciate the call, man. Yeah. That was Dak from Columbus. You can call in and be a part of the show as well, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Look, to touch on the 230 kick for Penn State uh, again before we head to break, it's unfortunate, right? It's unfortunate. You hate to see it. Everybody and their brother wanted it to be a night game. Uh, Auburn, the team and the coaches, I'm sure they wanted it to be a night game. Part of Penn State probably wanted it to be a night game because Auburn came to Penn State for a night game last year. I'm sure they, some of them wanted to see a night game at Jordan-Hare. Now, they're probably thinking they're lucky stars that they don't have to do that because 
Jordan-Hare Stadium at night, as everybody knows, it's a completely different animal than it is during the day, 2.30 in the middle of September. It's going to be on the crowd. It's going to be on us, the fans, you, the fan, to be there and be loud if you're able to go. And the heat is going to be an issue. There's no doubt about it. But you have to adjust and overcome and be a loud crowd and take advantage of being the biggest game of the week because you are the 2.30 slot on CBS. Let's take our first break here in hour number one. When we come back, we're going to talk about some more the advantages, disadvantages of Alan Flanagan coming back for Auburn basketball. Why did they decide to go to the NBA and come back? And ultimately, where does Auburn basketball stand as of right now? We're going to talk about that on the other side of this break. You're listening to On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Wednesday edition of the show. Alan Flanagan deciding to come back to Auburn basketball is a good thing. It is. It's a good thing. He has skills. He has experience. And ultimately, he's got seniority. He's a senior now at Auburn. He's played for Bruce Pearl. He's played for Stephen Pearl. He knows how those guys want a program run. They know they know how to deal with him. They know how to coach him. They know how he plays. So it's a good thing that Alan Flanagan is coming back. Now I know that there are some negatives to this. And there were some negatives last year of Alan Flanagan playing and especially starting, okay? His decision-making at times was not good. His shooting at times was not good. But there were a couple of games where we saw the flashes of what Alan Flanagan used to be and could be. Now, again, I was one of the ones that was all over him at times. I said, get this guy off the floor because turnovers were a bad, bad thing for him. Bad. There was a time where every time he touched the ball, he turned it over, right? There was a time where that was the case. But I still believe he can get back to the player that he used to be. The injury set him back. There's no doubt about it. The injury set him back. But I believe that with a lot of work and dedication and the right role on this team, that he can get back to where he used to be. Do I think Alan Flanagan is a starter on this team? Not anymore. I don't. I don't think he's a starter. And here's why. Right before we took a phone call, I was starting to get into the conversation about when Alan Flanagan used to be the guy on Auburn basketball. He used to be. He used to be that guy. But he's not anymore. And we saw that on this past year's team. He was not the guy anymore. There was about three or four of them that you could say at times were the guy, and it wasn't Alan Flanagan. Jabari Smith, Walker Kessler, KD Johnson, and Wendell Green. I think those were the guys that you could say at any given point were the go-to guy, right? Especially Jabari Smith. Obviously, right? Obviously, Jabari was the one that if you needed a bucket, you wanted to see the ball in his hands. And the offense ran through the guards. 
The offense ran through Jabari. The offense ran through Walker Kessler. The offense didn't go through Alan Flanagan anymore. Alan Flanagan didn't bring the ball up the floor anymore. Alan Flanagan was not the guy shooting the basketball at the end of the shot clock. Plays were not drawn up for Alan Flanagan anymore. They were drawn up for those other guys. And I think it was tough for him to adjust to that. Whether he would admit it or not, and that's I'm not calling him out, I'm just saying whether it, that's a tough thing to admit. And so whether he would admit that or not, that's what happened. And I think that's going to continue to happen. Because let's just break it down. There's better guys on this team now than Alan Flanagan. But he still has a role, and it can be, it can be an effective role on this team. He can make a big impact on this Auburn basketball team. He can. I think a role with Alan Flanagan being the sixth or seventh man off the bench and playing 15 to 18 minutes a game can be a really effective spot for him. Come in, play high-level defense, grab rebounds, and take it to the rack here and there. But these between-the-legs, step-back, fade-away threes is not it for Alan Flanagan. And turning the ball over every time you get it, that's not the way to do it either. And ultimately, any guy that does that on any team, no matter the situation, if that is the consistent style of play, you should be benched. And so, do I think that Alan Flanagan has been starting up to this point because of his dad as a coach? No, I don't. Absolutely not. I don't. I think he earned that, and I think Bruce Pearl respected that. But at the end of the day, if Bruce Pearl thinks and knows that it's best to bench Alan Flanagan and take away his starting role, I think he would do it. And I think Wes Flanagan, Alan's father, would understand. I think he would. This is a basketball team. This is a college D1 SEC basketball program that is trying to get to the top of the national stage, that is trying to win national championships. Let's just be honest. They ain't worried about somebody's feelings right now. And if they are, then they're never going to win. But I don't think that's the case. I think Alan Flanagan's a good player. I think he's a good fit for this Auburn team. But I think his role has got to change, and the coaches need to realize that. But with him coming back, they can, use him, they can use him to their advantage. He can be a huge focal point on this team coming off the bench. Dylan Cardwell and Alan Flanagan both coming back to Auburn basketball. They take their name out of the NBA draft. They'll be back next year. Be excited about it. Be excited. Both of these players, they love Auburn and they're good for Auburn. They're going to be good for this program next year. Stay tuned. ESPN talks about the quarterback battles around college football. We'll talk about it on the other side of this break. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Wednesday edition of the show. Look, it's breaking news, not, not in the sports world by any means, but if and I and I have not, let me just go ahead and say, I have not been following this at all, but my phone started blowing up from Twitter and everything during the break. 
Apparently, Johnny Depp won his civil case or something with Amber Heard. I haven't been paying attention of it or paying any attention to it, really. I just see the stuff that gets sent out over Twitter. Uh, but I was scrolling during during the break, and apparently Johnny Depp won because everybody is tweeting out a bunch of memes and, and jokes about it that Johnny Depp has won his case. So if any of you are... If any of you are interested in that, apparently that went down. So you can hop on Twitter and just feast on everybody going at it on there. But let's talk some college football because we are 94 days away from the college football season. We're 94 days away from September 3rd when Auburn football and all of the other major uh, college football programs around the country will be kicking off. And ESPN wrote an article. It's by David M. Hale. It's actually really, really good. I recommend you go and read it. It's called Ranking All 131 College Football Quarterback Situations in Tiers, T-I-E-R-S. So it goes through, and it's got about 20 different tier levels of ranking the quarterbacks around college football, ranking the quarterback battles, and just really talking about what to expect from all of these different quarterbacks from around the country. And there's a lot of different interesting um, takes on here. There's a lot of different quarterbacks. It's from every college football program in the FBS. So he talks about every single one. So if you're looking for Auburn, they're on there. If you're looking for another school, they're on there too. I highly recommend you go and find it. But I want to break down some of the major ones that he has on here and just kind of talk about what we can expect from some of these big-time quarterbacks in college football, not just in the SEC, but around the country as well. You can call in, be a part of the show. I'd love to hear from you. We'll put you on the air, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. You can call in about any of these quarterbacks we're talking about, anything with Auburn, anything else going on in the sports world. I'd love to hear from you, and you can call in and uh, be a part of the show. Let me know what you think about anything we're talking about. I'd love to hear from you. But... The first tier in this article, and again, this is on ESPN.com. It's on the ESPN app. It's from David M. Hale, an ESPN staff writer. It's ranking all 131 college football quarterback situations in tiers. Tiers and then like the list. And the very first one is Heisman or Bust, and there's three players. It's Ohio State's C.J. Stroud, USC's Caleb Williams, and Alabama's Bryce Young. Obviously, Bryce Young won the Heisman Trophy last year with Alabama, and the guy's a superstar. I mean, he's so good, he's so athletic, and he won the Heisman. And you can say he deserved it, you can say he didn't deserve it, but the guy was good. And he's going to be battling with Caleb Williams at USC uh, with with Lincoln Riley, and then, of course, Ohio State's C.J. Stroud, who just lit it up last year in the Rose Bowl against Utah. Uh, I think they had his stats in here somewhere. He just went absolutely stupid. And let's see, he did, yeah, threw for 573 yards and six touchdowns in the Rose Bowl last year. That's unbelievable. So those are the three guys that he is looking at as of right now to be Heisman favorites when it comes to quarterbacks. I think he's right. C.J. Stroud, Caleb Williams, Bryce Young, all of those big-time programs. I think you can take Caleb Williams out just because I don't think USC is going to be that dominant 
whatever they're expecting them to be. Look, they're going to be good, but this is year one. With everything new out there, they have a lot of talent, but we've seen time and time again that just because you throw a bunch of talent on a brand new team doesn't mean they're going to come together as a team and be good as a team. And I think that'll be the case. I really do. I think Caleb Williams is good. And I think Lincoln Riley is good. And I think there's a lot of good players on that team at USC. But until I see it, I just can't buy into them all coming together to be that good as a team in year one. The next tier is the Heisman waiting room. So these are the quarterbacks. And this is all quarterbacks, okay? These are the quarterbacks that basically on the outside looking in uh, on New York at the Heisman ceremony, NC State's Devin Leary, Utah's Cam Rising, and Miami's Tyler Van Dyke. So those are some of the names there. I'll try to go through and list the ones that you would care about, that we would care about here in the SEC. This is tier, it says 2A. What's a guy got to do to get some Heisman love around here? And it's Georgia Stetson Bennett, the guy who stepped in and won a national title after nobody knew who he was. And you can say whatever you want, whether you think Stetson Bennett is good or not. He, he won, right? He stepped in, he took the job, and he never gave it back. And he won a national championship. I think he will probably take a step back this year. I still think the guy is good, but... It's pretty hard to exceed what you did the year before when you come in for a big-time name. You come in and run the table and go all the way to the national championship game and win it. I just don't see how he can get past that or even live up to that. So I like him to be good, Stetson Bennett at Georgia. But I just don't see how he can exceed what he's already done. I feel like he's kind of he's already had the peak. I don't see him getting any better this year at Georgia couple of other quarterbacks, Tier 3, it says pretty, pretty good. And some of the big names on here is Tennessee's Hendon Hooker, who is supposed to be a good quarterback for Tennessee. Will this finally be the year that the Volunteers are actually good when people expect them to be good? We have seen this. We have seen this story so many times. Even in my young lifetime, I have seen this so many times. And I am not buying it. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to buy into Tennessee this year until I see it. It's kind of like USC right now. Until I see it, I'm not going to buy into it. Now, they may very well prove me wrong, and I'll just say, yep, got me this year, but I'm not buying into Tennessee. Not 100% on what Hendon Hooker is going to be, I'll be honest. Okay, I'm not too sure how he's going to pan out. Tennessee's had some decent quarterbacks over the past few years, but they've just seemed like they've gone downhill and haven't gotten any better, right? couple of others uh will rogers at mississippi state i think that is a that's a quarterback to look out for also kj jefferson at arkansas you know my opinions about the razorbacks i think they're going to be a great football team they have a tough schedule no doubt but i think they have a real good chance to do some damage in the sec west but it's really going to hinge on can kj jefferson be the guy at quarterback that arkansas needs he doesn't have to be outstanding he needs to be smart he needs to make the right place. Sort of like Will Rogers at Mississippi State, same thing. These guys don't have to be just fantastic quarterbacks and just blow you away. They just need to be smart and make the right decision. Same thing with Auburn, by the way. We'll get to that in just a little bit. But moving on through this article, uh, definitely, probably, maybe is the next tier. Not 100% what that means, but Kentucky's Will Levis and South Carolina's Spencer Rattler. 
Look, obviously Spencer Rattler at South Carolina, he's a big name. He had a lot of hype coming into Oklahoma, and now he's at South Carolina where he has potential to have a really good year. Now, is he going to take South Carolina to the next level? Probably not. Probably not, right? But he can still be an unbelievable athlete and an unbelievable quarterback at South Carolina. He will be exciting to watch, right? He will be exciting to watch, but... We're going to find out exactly where he stands in week three when they play Georgia. And we're also going to find out where Georgia stands when they have to play Spencer Rattler. So I look for him to have a great year. He's a dangerous quarterback. And now that he's in the SEC, especially in the SEC West, or excuse me, the SEC East, where defenses are not the, uh, that's not what they hang their hat on over there on that side of the SEC. And I think he can have a really, really good year over at South Carolina doesn't mean that the entire team will have that sort of success, but I think Spencer Rattler can have a great year at South Carolina. And then Will Levis at Kentucky. Look, Kentucky is a sleeper in the SEC East. I like them to come in second over there behind Georgia, not because Georgia is going to be so ungodly good, but I still think Georgia wins, but I like Kentucky to be second in the SEC East because they have a lot of talent, they have a smart guy at quarterback, and their head coach is a freaking genius when it comes to coaching football. And he is so good at Kentucky, y'all. He's good at Kentucky. He's got a quarterback that can make the right decisions. Again, this is not a guy that's going to blow you away, but he can get the job done is Will Levis at Kentucky. Uh, A couple more quarterbacks on here from the SEC and from from future SEC schools, I should say. So hot right now. These are six guys that are on the up and coming. It's Texas's Quinn Ewers, I believe it's how you pronounce his name, and Hudson Card. So Texas has two quarterbacks that they're battling for right now. And look, Texas needs a guy, man. Texas needs a quarterback that can get it done and make it happen because let's be honest, Texas ain't back yet, folks. They ain't back yet, and if they're not back by the time they get over here to the SEC, it may be a long couple of years for Texas before they figure it out over here in the Southeastern Conference. Florida's Anthony Richardson. Look, we've seen Florida be successful in the past over the past couple of years, but what's the one thing that's really hurt them has been the consistent quarterback play. We've seen a lot of good athletes come through Florida and be good quarterbacks over there. But we're waiting on that dude to step up for the Florida Gators. And that's what's holding them back from competing in the SEC East, right? You're not going to beat Georgia with inconsistent quarterback play. And I think Florida is waiting on that. Can that, can that be Anthony Richardson? Maybe, but we're going to find out. Also, Ole Miss's Jackson Dart. A lot of hype around him. We have all heard the hype and seen the, the videos and whatever it may be when it comes to old Mrs. Jackson Dart. Can he live up to it? He's got a, a, a cannon for an arm. And I, I think quarterback-wise, just looking at the skills of this kid, he's really good. He's really good. He's got what it takes. But can he get it done? And what's good about Ole Miss is the same thing I talk about with Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. The expectations are not just absolutely blown out of proportion through the roof. You don't have to be a superstar at Ole Miss. You can be good and still be good at Ole Miss. Does that make sense? 
He's one of the best prospects to come through there in a long time at the quarterback spot. Look for him to have a great year. But same thing as it means with Spencer Rattler at South Carolina. Just because your quarterback is outstanding doesn't mean the rest of your team is. Moving on with some of the tiers in this article on ESPN, uh, just stay healthy. The big one on here is JT Daniels. If you remember, he has transferred to West Virginia, the old Georgia quarterback, before he got hurt and was replaced by the potential and would-be national champion Stetson Bennett. Uh, West Virginia's JT Daniels, just stay healthy. That's exactly right. Just stay healthy. This guy is really good. Uh, He was leading Georgia – as a great program and a great quarterback, and then he just gets hurt, right? He's one of those quarterbacks that he he just gets hurt, and it's unfortunate. But if he can stay healthy, he can have a great career. And this is a guy that's trying to go to the next level and go to the league. And I talked about it when he transferred. He picked West Virginia, a Big 12 school. He can go up there and sling the ball around like absolute crazy, and that's what they do in the Big 12. He can go and just sling it around and throw it all over the yard and hopefully just boost his, his numbers and his confidence and try to get to the league. But at the end of the day, exactly, just stay healthy. couple more of the tiers kind of moving through, trying to pick out some of the SEC quarterbacks uh, for you, plus some of the quarterbacks that would stick out to us. Veterans with Moxie, this is Tier 9. It's Penn State's Sean Clifford. Of course, he's still there, and he will be coming to Auburn week three. Look, he looked a lot better against Auburn last year than he should have. Our secondary, Auburn secondary and defensive line made Sean Clifford look a lot better than he should have, and they made whole Penn State offense look better than it should have. I think Auburn has a field day with him this year. I really do. He's a solid quarterback, but he's not anything spectacular. I look for Auburn to take care of business against him in week three. I really do. Some big-time quarterback battles uh, as we are coming up against our final break here. LSU's Jaden Daniels and Miles Brennan. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk in Baton Rouge. You have Texas A&M's Haynes King, Max Johnson, and Connor Wayman. Wow, that's a lot. They have three guys going over there at Texas A&M. Look, both of those programs, especially Texas A&M, you've got to have a good quarterback to run the offense. And especially this year with A&M, who is it going to be to lead a team that has a lot of potential this year? And when it comes to LSU, I think you've got to pick a guy that's got the best experience and just run with him because LSU is not going to be that great this year in general. So pick the smart one. Pick the guy that's going to get you the most wins. Uh, tier 11, maybe this is the year they put it all together. And you know who's on there first? Oregon's Bo Nix. That's right, Bo Nix. Maybe this is the year he puts it all together. I'm going to be honest, folks. I think Bo Nix has a great year at Oregon this year. I really do. I think he does. I hope he does. And I know a lot of you may not believe that or think that, and that's totally fine. That is totally fine. But I think Bo Nix has a fantastic year at Oregon. He's not going to win the Heisman. He's not going to take Oregon to the national championship game. But – I think he has a great year at Oregon. And on the other side of this break, I'm going to tell you why. And also, where does Auburn's quarterback battle rank on this tier list on ESPN? We'll cover that and wrap up hour number one on the other side of this break. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. 
Wrapping up hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. And I'm surprised nobody got called in and, and kind of yelled at me a little bit, got a little mad because I talked about Bo Nix being good next year. Look, all jokes aside, I think the guy is still a good quarterback. He was good when he was here at Auburn. He just never got any help or development. That was his biggest problem, right? That was the biggest problem with Bo Nix. He never got any better. And a little bit was on him, but a lot of it was not. He played for a different offensive coordinator every year he was here. He had a head coaching change, had a lot going on, right? He just didn't get any better, and that was the biggest problem. Also, Auburn's offense did not help him out at all. The way Auburn runs the offense, Auburn's receiver problems, Auburn's offensive line problems, all of that did not help Bo Nix whatsoever. I think he goes to Oregon this year. I think he has a solid year. I think they make a big bowl game. I think he has a solid year. And to be quite honest, I hope he does. I hope he does. He's a great guy, what it seems like. I don't know him, but he loves Auburn. He loved Auburn when he was here, and he played his heart out every time. I think he'll get better development at Oregon. I think he'll have a better offense at Oregon. And I just think he has a better year at Oregon. I really do. So Bo Nix on this list as well as um, he's under. This is maybe the year they will put it all together to find Auburn's quarterback battle on this tier list. And we're going through the ESPN article that ranks all 131 quarterback battles across the country in college football. Is there a diamond in the rough tier 14 Auburn's Zach Calzada and TJ Finley. And here's what it says about Auburn. Calzada struggled often at Texas A&M last year, and Finley appeared lost for long stretches in a backup role behind Knicks. Both would need to take a huge step forward to dramatically alter Auburn's offensive futility. That's what they say about Auburn right now. Is there a diamond in the rough between Zach Calzada and TJ Finley? Let me go ahead and tell you, There is not a diamond in the rough with T.J. Finley, okay? Let me go ahead and make that very clear. I like the guy. He seems like he's a good dude. He likes Auburn. He did what he needed to do, I guess. He stepped in, and he tried, but he ain't it, okay? I've said that before, and I will continue to say it. T.J. Finley, he ain't it, okay? Zach Calzada, on the other hand, I think he's going to be your quarterback come September 3rd in 94 days. I think that's going to be the case. Is he going to win Auburn football games? You better hope so. I I hope so. But we're going to find out. Is he a diamond in the rough? Maybe. But he's not a bad quarterback. Yeah, he struggled at times against Texas A or with Texas A&M, but he also had some really good moments over there. And I think what he is for Auburn, Zach Calzada, is a smart quarterback. I think he's a quarterback that is going to make the right play when it counts. He's not going to blow you off the page. He's not going to he's not going to make you sit back in your chair and think, "Wow, what an unbelievable talent we're watching." That's not the case. But he is going to be good enough to win this Auburn team some football games. That's my that's my thinking on it. That is what my opinion is. But we're not going to know until September 3rd and beyond. We're not going to know. But that's where ESPN puts it right now. And that's where a lot of people put it at right now. Is TJ Finley is still your starter right now because it was his job last year. And he hasn't done anything yet to lose it. But by the time fall camp rolls around and you get a couple of weeks into that, 
I look for Zach Calzada to just jump ahead of TJ Finley because he's just better, I think. I think he's just better. And you also have Robbie Ashford behind those guys that has made big-time strides in spring. Or he did in spring. It's summer now. But he made big strides in the spring. Look for him to be the second string come fall. And I think that's going to be the case. When you, look, when you talk about is there a diamond in the rough with Zach Calzada and TJ Finley, look, I'm not going after anybody personally because I don't know any of them personally. But just talking about their performance on the field, TJ Finley's just not it. He's just not it. And you're not going to find a diamond in the rough with him. I respect him for being here. I respect him for coming in and trying to save a season after Bo Nix went out last year. But he's just not it. I think there's better guys for the job. And that's just how life goes sometimes. And expect, I expect, TJ Finley, when he is not named the starter, will eventually transfer and find somewhere where he can start. But when you talk about Diamond in the rough, it ain't going to be with him. Maybe Calzada, but not with Finley. That's it for hour number one. Stay tuned. Hour number two coming up. are on the line live on ESPN 106.7 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 you're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports, Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Wednesday edition of the show. Hour number one officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two officially underway here on ESPN 106.7 in the Auburn Opelika area and on Fox Sports, Central Alabama on 98.3 up through Birmingham and Sylacauga. Hope you're all doing well on this Wednesday, June 1st, 2022. That's right. The new month has begun. So hope you're all doing well on this Wednesday afternoon. Sun is starting to shine a little bit here in the Auburn Opelika area, so maybe it'll stay out. It's been kind of overcast a little bit today, and uh, sun's starting to pop out a little bit as I'm looking out the window here in the studio. So hope you're all doing well on this Wednesday afternoon. If you're still here from hour number one, thank you so much. If you're just now tuning in for hour number two, I appreciate you as well. And if you missed any of hour number one, make sure you search on the line wherever you get your podcast. It'll be uploaded immediately following today's show. All you have to do is search on the line wherever you get your podcast. And you can catch up on anything you missed of today's show or any of my previous shows. So again, just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. If you want to call in at any point here in hour number two, be a part of the show, give me your opinion, talk about anything you want to talk about related to sports, I would love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. 
Those are the numbers to put you through to me. You can call in, give your opinion about anything going on in the sports world, anything I'm talking about during a segment. I'd love to hear from you. I always love to hear what you have to say and what's on or what's on your mind. I love to hear from you. So again, be sure to call in. The number is 334-321-1390. We are 94 days away from the college football season. That's right, 94 days away until September 3rd when Auburn football gets kicked off and most of the other Division I FBS schools will as well. 94 days away from the college football season. Let's start hour number two, like we always do, with a little bit of making headlines. And first of all, in making headlines, a couple of players coming back for Auburn basketball. Dylan Cardwell had entered his name into the NBA draft. He went and tried to test the waters a little bit and decided to come back for his junior season at Auburn. He will be coming back to play for Bruce Pearl and the Tigers. And another player had entered his name into the NBA draft. He went and worked out in Chicago Kind of got some updates about where he stands on the draft boards from some NBA execs and NBA scouts and decided to come back for his senior season at Auburn and play one more time with the Auburn Tigers. It's Alan Flanagan. He will be coming back for his senior season with the Auburn Tigers. He announced that today he will be coming back for his senior year. So Alan Flanagan and Dylan Cardwell both coming back to play for Auburn uh, for at least one more year and then maybe try to test the NBA draft waters again before – deciding what they want to do from there. So exciting news for Auburn basketball fans that Dylan Cardwell and Alan Flanagan are both coming back. Uh, In hour number one, I had a big segment about these guys coming back. If you missed it, I highly recommend you go and find it. Uh, I talked about the positives and the negatives of both of them coming back, Uh, why they went to the NBA and then came back, and ultimately where Auburn basketball stands as of right now. So look, Dylan Cardwell coming back, it's a great thing, great news. He's great off the bench. He will not be a starter. He's great off the bench. He brings high energy, high level of heart, intensity, and he's, a, he's everybody's biggest hype man, and that's something you want coming off the bench. Alan Flanagan, it's still a good thing. Whether you like him or not, whether you like his basketball play or not, it is a good thing that Alan Flanagan is coming back. There's a lot of reasons to that. And again, uh, I had a big segment about it back in hour number one. But at the end of the day, it's still a good thing that Alan Flanagan's coming back for his senior year at Auburn. That's what I'll say. Moving on with making headlines. If you missed the conversation yesterday, we talked about Brian Harson starting a new podcast. It's called, uh, it's called, oh, why did it just slip my mind? It just... Wow, it just slipped my mind. I literally just had a mind blank. But Brian Harson has a new podcast. In case you, it's Huddle with Hars. That's what it's called. Huddle with Hars. H A R S. And Brian Harson, the Auburn head football coach, has started a brand new podcast where his goal is to connect with you, the fans, and connect with players, recruits, coaches, players' parents, whoever may want to listen. And it's a podcast of him talking with assistant coaches. As of right now, he brought on Auburn offensive coordinator Eric Keesaw in the first episode. 
where Eric Keesaw does a lot of the talking about how he became an offensive coordinator at Auburn, how he became a coach to begin with, some legendary stories, one about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, it was a great episode. I, I listened to the first 30 minutes yesterday. I listened to the second 30 minutes or so today. Uh, it's about an hour and eight minutes long, so you know, 30 minutes yesterday, 40 minutes today, whatever. But I listened to half of it yesterday, half of it today, and I really liked it. And it seems that this will be a good thing. And overall, there seems to be a good reaction to it and a good response to it by the fan base. Uh, I've, I've seen some people say, you know, why is he doing a podcast? Probably not going to listen to it. And that's totally fine. That's t- absolutely fine, right? But I think personally, Brian Harson, your head football coach or any head football coach at a Division I school like this, I think it's a great idea to have a podcast like this. I talked about yesterday the uniqueness of this. I don't know any other coach doing this. I really don't. I think he may be the only one, unless I'm wrong, unless I haven't seen one that's going on. I think Brian Harson may be the only Division I head football coach that has his own podcast like this. And I think it's a good thing. He's trying to connect with you, the fan base, on a personal level. He's trying to show, hey, I'm more than a football coach. And he's also trying to do that with his assistants as well. That, hey, these are actual people. They're not just football coaches, and they should not be judged just on whether they get wins and losses. I understand that's their job, and I understand when it comes to football season, yeah, you are judged by if you get wins and losses. But on June 1st, these coaches can't be with the team right now. They can't practice with them yet. It's summer. All they can do is work out as a team. They can't even be with the coaches. So why not do a little podcast for an hour a week to let the fan base know what's going on and to let you learn more about Brian Harson and the coaches on this staff? I think it's a genius idea. I will be listening, and I want to know if you'll be listening as well. I've had mixed reactions uh, between social media and on here, but look, if you listen, fantastic. You know, more power to you. I hope you enjoy it. If you don't listen to it, that's totally fine too, right? I mean, that's your choice. It's your choice whether you want to listen to it or not. So I think it's cool. Brian Harson starting a new podcast uh, that started this week, and I believe it'll be a weekly series. Moving on with making headlines for all you golf fans out there. It's kind of random. It is a Wednesday, right? But... The match is back. So if you're a golf fan, you know what the match is. And it is Capital One's the match. And now it is, there are no actual professional golfers in it. You know, in the past, there's been a celebrity paired up with a professional golfer uh, in the past couple of years. But this year, it's four big-time NFL quarterbacks. It's two youngins versus two oldies, if you want to put it that way. It is Patrick Mahomes from Kansas City, Josh Allen, and then it is also the two old guys, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. They are teamed up to go against Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. The match is set to tee off at 5.30 Central Time for 12 holes at the Wynn Golf Club, and it will be... Trying to see what channel. I want to say it's going to be on like TNT or something like that would be my guess. Uh, But the match is tonight. Again, it's Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers teaming up to play a 12-hole golf match against 
Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. The trash talk has been unbelievable. Uh, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers have just gone after each other, or not each other, they've gone after the other team. Uh, two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, teaming up to play a little bit of golf together. And I think it's going to be a fantastic event. It comes on 5.30 Central Time today, Wednesday, June 1st. It'll be on TNT, okay? It'll be on TNT. And look, the previous matches have been decent. You know, I think Charles Barkley was in the last one. And they're entertaining, right? It's not, obviously, it's not the best golf you've ever seen in your life. It's more for the entertainment purposes I look for Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers to smoke the young guys. I think those two guys actually play golf pretty well. And I think the trash talk will just be really entertaining too. And how cool is it to see Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, two quarterbacks that have battled in the NFL to be the best for so long, teaming up to play together in a golf tournament. I think it's super cool. That is tonight. It's the match on TNT at 530. So... If you're looking for something to watch that's related to sports, there you go. Because right now there's pretty much baseball and hockey. And speaking of hockey, last night, holy smokes, last night in the NHL, if you don't like hockey because you think it's boring, you should have watched last night because there were, listen to this, 14 goals in one game. That's right. The Colorado Avalanche and the Edmonton Oilers, game one of the Western Conference Finals. The Colorado Avalanche, the one seed, and the Edmonton Oilers, the two seed. Colorado beats Edmonton 8-6 to six in a hockey game, folks. 8-6 to six in a hockey game. It was 3-2 after the first, 4-2 in the second, and 2-1 in the third. Those were the goal breakdowns in each period. At that gave Colorado an 8-6 to six victory. There were six goals in the second period. That is unbelievable. That is not something that's supposed to happen in the game of hockey. But these are two of the best offensive teams in the entire NHL. Defense, not so much. Goalies, both goalies are really good. But the defense on both sides, especially on the Edmonton side last night, really left their starting goalie out to dry. And he got replaced after he let up five goals in two periods. He got replaced. And look, it wasn't all on him, okay? It wasn't all on him. The defense left him out to dry pretty bad. Uh, Mike Smith, he's a good goaltender. But on 25, uh, on 25 shot attempts, he allowed six goals. So not what you're looking for from your starting goalie. He got yanked after giving up six goals. Excuse me, I thought he only gave up five. But he gave up six. It's just unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. Eight to six, Colorado on top of Edmonton last night in game one. And then in the Eastern Conference Finals, those start tonight. The Tampa Bay Lightning as the three seed visiting the New York Rangers, the two seed, seven o'clock on ESPN. The Tampa Bay Lightning are trying to three-peat. That's right. They are going for their third straight Stanley Cup championship. And they are one series away from getting to the Stanley Cup final again. They've got to go through a resilient New York Rangers team, uh, a Rangers team that has been down in every series they played in, I'm pretty sure, and they've come back to win in every series this postseason. So fantastic hockey to watch. If you're trying to look for something to watch in sports, I highly recommend you turn it on. I recommend it all the time. NHL, 7 o'clock, ESPN, Tampa Bay Lightning, and the New York Rangers. One more headline before we take our first break here at hour number two. 
SEC spring meetings continuing on down in Destin this week with SEC head football coaches, SEC athletic directors, SEC officials, SEC Greg Sankey, the commissioner. Everybody's down there this week, and they are trying so hard, I think, trying so hard to squash this Saban and Jimbo fiasco. That's the best word I can come up with is fiasco to describe what is going on here. They've all tried to just say we're going to move on and not address it, but yet here we are. We're still talking about it, and stories are still being written about it from Destin. Questions are still being asked about it every day in Destin, and it's going to be something that is going to be around for a while. What I think is important here is Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher have both come out and said, I don't have anything against the other guy. Let's just kind of move on. But you can definitely tell that there is some bad blood still. There's still bad blood between the two of them. Obviously, they're not the biggest fans of each other, right? Or else Saban wouldn't have said what he said and Jimbo wouldn't have come out and said what he said. But at some point, come on, guys. Come on. We got to just move on and get past this, right? There's important business to be handled in Destin this week. There's important things to talk about this week at these SEC meetings. Stuff that is way more important than some dramatized Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher back and forth, right? There's a lot to be talked about. I talked about it yesterday on the show. There's a lot to be handled this week in Destin. NIL, scheduling, right? Those two are huge, and they've got to be talked about. But yet... These guys, I'm sure they're annoyed just as much as I am. They can't even get away from it. Who cares? Who cares? At this point, they had an argument. Saban apologized. Let's move on. Because this is the only week of the year that all of these people get in the same room at the same time to try to solve some problems, and yet they're still asking questions about the the fiasco between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. I hope something comes out of this week. As of right now, I don't really know a whole lot that's been going down, but hopefully something. And again, yesterday my point was this. Everybody needs to be on the same page when it comes to NIL and scheduling. Everybody needs to be on the same page. Whatever that page is, everybody needs to be on the same page coming out of this week down in Destin, Florida. That's going to do it for Making Headlines. Let's take our first break here in hour number two. If you want to call in, be a part of the show, I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. When we come back, yesterday was the 100-day mark of this season getting underway as well. We're going to talk about that on the other side of this break. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Wednesday edition of the show. We talk a lot about when college football will be getting underway here on the show. We are 94 days away from that, by the way. But yesterday, I did not mention it, uh, but yesterday marked the 100-day mark to the NFL season kicking off. That's right. Yesterday was the 100-day mark, uh, marking the kickoff of the NFL season. And I'm excited, man. I'm really excited because the NFL 
has gotten pretty good. I won't even lie. I, I've always liked the NFL, right? But the playoffs this past year really just got me excited for the upcoming season because it was just so good. It was so good to watch the playoffs and how entertaining they were, how many of the big games came down to the absolute wire and just the young talent that is coming through the league and up and coming through the league right now. Plus, you still have some of the old guys who are the veterans, if you will, who are still running the show, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, those types of guys. So the NFL is 99 days away from kicking off. It's crazy that they're only separated by four days now or five days now, the NFL and college football. It seemed like there used to be a few weeks in between, but with the NFL adding on uh, games and stuff like that, it has gotten even closer. So we are 99 days away from the NFL season kicking off, and there's some things that I just kind of want to remind you about that you may have forgotten about the NFL season since we are uh, 99 days away, and the Super Bowl has been a couple of months away now. Of course, the Los Angeles Rams won the Super Bowl this past year. You had Matthew Stafford winning his first Super Bowl after being in Detroit for forever, and now they will be trying to defend their Super Bowl title, the Rams, after winning the Super Bowl in what was a fantastic game against the Cincinnati Bengals. They will be trying to defend their Super Bowl title, and they will open up the regular season, the Rams will, against the Bills in SoFi Stadium out in Los Angeles. So what a great matchup to start the year with against a team in the Buffalo Bills that I would say is definitely one of the favorites to win it all this year. They have a lot of talent, they have a lot of hype, and it's all because of Josh Allen, who has become a young superstar in the NFL. Apparently he's the preseason MVP favorite inside the NFL, and I I think that's that's fair. I think the guy is good. He's extremely good. He has made the Bills a place that people want to play. He's made Buffalo a place that people want to cheer for. That's impressive in itself. But now, now, he has become a young superstar in the NFL. He is your MVP favorite as of right now. I think the Bills are a, a great bet to win the Super Bowl this upcoming year. So, We'll see how that goes. They will open up against Los Angeles, against the Rams in the very first game. Uh, some more things to just to kind of remind you that have happened in the offseason. Uh, the Broncos, they are trying to snap a six-year streak of missing the playoffs. And now with their new quarterback, Mr. Russell Wilson, who got traded from the Seattle Seahawks, of course. Well, I guess, yeah, he was in the trade at the beginning of free agency. He got traded to Denver. So that's going to be so weird seeing Russell Wilson not playing in the Seattle Seahawks uniform and not just not playing in Seattle. Now he's going to be playing in Denver. How weird is that? I mean, right there, big-time rivals. Russell Wilson, no longer a Seattle Seahawk. He'll be playing in Denver this year. Uh, the Bills, they extended Stephon Diggs, and now Tyreek Hill is with the Miami Dolphins. I'm just reading a bunch of stuff that's gone down over the over the offseason and things to kind of remind you about with people moving all over the place and teams you should keep your eye on as we are now 99 days away from 
the NFL season getting underway. This one makes me sad. Devontae Adams, of course, is no longer with Green Bay. He is now out with the Raiders, unfortunately. As you know, I'm a big Packers fan, and they didn't do what it took to keep him, and he left. And I think, but they did offer to pay him just as much as as Las Vegas did. And yet Adams left anyway. So that just kind of shows you where the Packers are in general. You've got A.J. Brown, who is now with the Philadelphia Eagles with the big NFL Draft Day blockbuster trade. That was unbelievable. Amari Cooper with the Browns. Marquise Brown with the Cardinals. Robert Woods with the Titans. Christian Kirk with the Jaguars. All of those will be uh, new faces in, in new places, right? Of course, Russell Wilson back in, or not back in, he's in Denver now. I already talked about that a little bit. And look, it's it's crazy to look at some of the things that have gone down in the NFL season. I'm excited. The young talent around the league is just unbelievable. You've got Joe Burrow with Cincinnati coming off of an incredible run through the postseason. They obviously lost in the Super Bowl. Will Cincinnati make the playoffs this year? I think that's a legitimate question because look at the NF- or the AFC North. There's a all four teams are good up there, and Cincinnati is one of those teams that could be having a little bit of a hangover after the Super Bowl appearance, and it would be very easy for them to miss the playoffs. But not just them; any other team in the AFC North, with the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Browns, I think all of those teams could either make the playoffs or miss the playoffs, right? At any given time, over the next few years, I think all of those teams are going to be battling each other, which makes it super entertaining to watch those four teams go at it. There's a lot of people telling me they don't think Cincinnati makes the playoffs this year. I don't know if I go that far, but it wouldn't shock me at the same time. Obviously, the Raiders, they still have their quarterback, Derek Carr, but he now has his receiver with Devontae Adams, who is the best wide receiver in all of of professional football. He runs routes better than anybody else. He's got better hands. He may not be the fastest dude, but he doesn't have to be fast when he jukes you out and puts your knees into the turf, and he's gone, right? That doesn't matter. He doesn't have to be faster than you. He's just better than you. So he is out there with Derek Carr now, and you've got... Look, you've got a lot of people moving all over the place. At the end of the day, we're 99 days away from the NFL season. Are you excited? Do you watch the NFL? I know there's not teams here. I know we have Atlanta. You've got Tennessee, and that's kind of it. You've got the Saints, maybe, if you're into that as well. So it's tough here in the state of Alabama because college football reigns supreme. But the NFL is in a good spot right now. It really is. It's in a great spot. And I love it so much. Hopefully my Packers can find a way to figure it out without Devontae Adams. Stay tuned. We're going to try and have Jacob Hillman on the show. Didn't work out yesterday. We're going to try again today. Stay tuned. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Wednesday edition of the show. 30 more minutes here in hour number two. And look, we tried this yesterday because we didn't have the show Monday. We had some technical difficulties, but hopefully, hopefully those are gone and we can get this interview in. Jacob Hillman, are you there? Can you hear me, my friend? 
I, I am here, and I can hear you loud and clear. Yeah, if, if, if this happens again, I think I just got to stick to Mondays no matter what. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's the consensus. If it goes downhill today, no longer will we do it on any other day than Monday. But Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, we appreciate you coming back after yesterday's uh, debacle, if that's what you want to call it. But we have a lot to talk about, so let's jump into it. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. First, let's talk a little Auburn basketball because there is some news coming uh, coming from the program. Two players on the roster, Dylan Cardwell and Alan Flanagan, who had put their names into the NBA draft. They tested the waters a little bit, probably didn't get the news that they wanted, and they have decided, both of them, to come back and play another year for Auburn basketball. What does this mean for the program for Dylan Cardwell and Alan Flanagan to come back for another year? Yeah, it's, it's big for Auburn. It's two guys that are experienced in, in, in many ways. Alan Flanagan has been playing since his freshman year, that year that Auburn would have been a high seed in the NCAA tournament, the COVID-shortened uh, season. And then you have Dylan Carwell, who last year really broke out on the scene with uh, just in a backup center role behind Walker Kessler and bringing him back, brings back that experience behind what's going to be two newcomers with Johan Traore and uh, Johnny Broom. So, as far as the, the draft process goes, I think it was also a really good thing for them just to hear what the NBA scouts have to say and you know things they need to work on. And I think it was a good thing for them to just to go through and uh, really experience because playing again, he'll be going pro next year regardless. As that's, that It'll be his senior year. And if Carwell were to break out, he would have a chance to go pro after his junior year. So uh, I'm really happy with them going through that process and coming back. And now you've got, wh- whether they start or not, uh, I think Flanagan will probably be in the starting lineup. Cardwell, maybe not. Uh, you've got depth, and you've got guys that have been in the program for a while. And Jacob Hillman, do you think that Cardwell and Flanagan would have a chance after this next season to go pro and be successful in the NBA or maybe overseas somewhere? Yeah, I'll start with Cardwell, and after this season, I don't think that'll. I don't think that'll happen as quickly. I think that he'll still need a year to work on some things. Like, like I said, it, w- it would be it would need to be a breakout season for him to really make that jump. I think, but he has that uh, kind of what the scouts are seeing uh, based off the process that he went through. Alan Flanagan, on the other hand, I think he is he's such a wild card because of coming off that Achilles injury. He didn't really perform up to expectations after he did return. But what we saw from him. Uh, in 2020 to 21, the COVID season, he was a very good player playing out of position, and he really found a groove where he was scoring the basketball. And of course, we know what he can do defensively. He was still a solid defender last season. If he can improve those offensive numbers, I think that you will see him go in the NBA draft, whether that's in the second round or if he were to really kind of go off of what that 2020 season was like potentially get into that later first round uh, area. But, I mean, I think for him it's really just about the offense and getting that going and uh, things will go better for him if he just starts to trust himself. I, I also just think that he really showed in that G League kind of scrimmage type deal that he does have that game. He had a step back through that I saw that just looked like the sophomore Allen Flanagan. And if sophomore Allen Flanagan could come back and improve upon that, then you're going to see – Uh, a much improved Alan Flanagan from 2022. Talking to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, 
Hillman, what are the roles going to be of, of Dylan Cardwell and Alan Flanagan coming back on this, this upcoming team with Bruce Pearl having so much talent returning and coming in with new faces? What's the, what are the roles going to be for Dylan Cardwell and then Alan Flanagan? Yeah, I, I see Flanagan still in the starting lineup, uh, probably at that three spot. You know, the, the guards are going to be interesting to see what happens there. Obviously, you got the three returnees and Jasper Green and Johnson. It'll be interesting to see how they move that around. Like, you could go with what you did last year, or you could switch things up. But I think as far as uh, it goes with Alan Flanagan, you, you're you're sticking with him at the three, and you really want him to get into a groove of things. He was kind of thrown into there right as SEC play started, so he didn't have that non-conference schedule to uh, get things going off of his Achilles injury, whereas now he has a full offseason to not only be recovered, but uh, just work with his new teammates and, and things like that that he didn't get to do last season. So I, I expect that for Alan Flanagan. As far as Dylan Cardwell goes, I still see him coming off the bench kind of in the same role as he did last year, potentially a little bit more if if Johnny Broom or Johan Traore, whoever ends up at that starting uh, center position, isn't as dominant as Walker Kessler, which that, that's a tough building to live up to. So I don't expect either of them to do that. But uh, I think Dylan Carwell could just have a, extra minutes added on to what he played last year. Uh, what I remember is that game in Tuscaloosa where without Dylan Carwell, I don't think Auburn wins that game. So uh, I see him playing roles like that a little bit more next season. Talking to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. Yesterday when we tried to have this conversation, it was kind of in and out. We were having some technical difficulties. I was asking you about Brian Harson, Auburn's head football coach, who has created a brand new podcast where – it seems like the goal is going to be to bring on assistant coaches. He already had the offensive coordinator, Eric Keesaw, come on. He wants to bring these these coaches on and talk other, foot, other than football. He wants to talk about life and career paths and stuff like that. What is your take on this brand-new podcast from the head football coach, Brian Harson? Yeah, I think I have to look at it as a way of kind of connecting with the Auburn fan base, the Auburn family, and, and anyone who is interested in his program because it's something that was difficult to do for him leading into his first year. You were still kind of in the middle of that, uh, of COVID pandemic where you couldn't do any events uh, safely at all. And now you're at a point where you can, but also why not add on this extra layer that's only going to take a little bit of time out of your week where you're, you're just talking to guys that you know already. And I think that's so important for him because what I would say is I bet he's learning about his coaches, uh, when he does these interviews, I don't think this is something where he's just asking them questions that he knows about. He's asking them questions and he's learning from them as well. So as as far as his podcast goes, I think it's good for him to connect with uh, honestly anybody. Because I, I mentioned who he's directing this at, but I think that any football coach, any football player, anyone who is just looking for a life lesson could probably learn something from this podcast and, and, and really go into that. Because, uh, you know, his history goes back a while with, with Boise State and Obviously, he starts with Coach Keesaw, who he's known for a while. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how this develops with, with other coaches, maybe even players, former players from Boise State and whatnot. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. And Jacob Hillman, is this something that, in your opinion, that you've seen other coaches do? Because I can't see or think of anything where this is a, a popular trend. I think this is something brand new. So have you seen this from other SEC or, or not, I guess not even SEC, just college coaches in general? And do you see this becoming a trend across college football? 
Yeah, I mean, the closest thing you can think of is the coaches show that happens on Sundays, but that's always led by uh, a journalist or an announcer or the voice or, or whatnot. It's never the coach leading the way. and they're, they're just kind of they're being guided along, whereas here it's Coach Harson being the host and kind of getting what he wants out of the interviews from his assistant coaches or whoever he ends up bringing along for the ride. So, yeah, I think this is something new that has never really been explored, and it'll be really interesting to see if this does spread uh, th- throughout the college football world. Talking to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, let's shift it over to baseball because today is Wednesday. We're two days away from Auburn baseball hosting its first NCAA regional since 2010. First of all, what does it mean for Auburn to be able to host this regional this season the first time in over 12 years? I mean, it's just awesome. For me, what I'll say personally is after my freshman year when Auburn made the College World Series, made the Final Four, the one thing I was I was I wanted to host a regional. I wanted to see Auburn baseball host the regional uh, because I just was I, I watched a lot of the regionals that year and I realized, wow, what kind of crowd and atmosphere that is. I, I know it means a lot to a lot of people here in Auburn just to be able to bring that back and uh, and to add into it, the teams that are on the way here is UCLA is a two seed, Florida State is a three seed. You're used to going to Florida State if you're an Auburn fan, whether that's in 1997 or just in the last decade. And then, of course, Southeastern Louisiana, more of a local team uh, that that's had a good season. So I'm looking forward to what is sure to be a fun weekend at Plainton Park. And, and it's really just a, it's, it's another milestone for this Auburn baseball program. It's something that uh, Coach Thompson has talked about as a brick-by-brick brick thing, you know. You win the first regional back in 2018, and then, or, or yeah, really back in 2018, then you win the super regional, make it to Omaha, and now you're hosting, and and it's just more bricks laid to the foundation of what this program has become, and uh, and it continues to grow. And Hillman, you talked about the teams that are going to be traveling to Auburn uh, to play in the regional this weekend: UCLA, Florida State, and Southeastern Louisiana. What do we know about these teams coming in? What should Auburn expect, uh, especially that they play Southeastern Louisiana first on Friday night and then from the other two squads? Yeah, starting, starting with the Lions, it's, it, it's really going to be about uh, limiting their power. Uh, they're, they're, they, they hit the ball well and hit it long. So I, I think depending on whoever the starter is, you, know, you just want to limit the home runs and not let them uh, put together any rallies. Uh, they're also the, their pitching situation is interesting because their number one guy is dealing with an MCL uh, sprain and might not be able to go. So we'll see who they throw out there for that game one. But as far as the other two teams, what, what I'll say is, hey, if you can get out to Clemson Park at 11 a.m. on Friday, I, I would recommend doing so because not often you get to just watch UCLA and Florida State play each other in baseball. But uh, starting with the two seed, the Bruins, uh, they probably could have been hosting if their RPI wasn't uh, down in the 40s. I think if their RPI was up 10 to a dozen spots, they might be a 16 or 15 seed, maybe even above Auburn. But they're not. They're a two seed. They're heading to Auburn. And uh, I, I look at their their ace, and it's uh, Max Ratchick. He's, he, he's been really good. 3.08 ERA and 14 starts. And, that, and that's a consistent theme with his UCLA and Florida State teams. A lot of guys in that low – uh, three ERA range, and it's going to be tough for Auburn to get those bats going again against these guys that they're on. So um, I'm looking to see what UCLA does. Uh, they don't hit a lot of home runs, but it's because they play in a big ballpark. So I, I'm looking for them to probably not – they're not going to be trying to hit home runs because they haven't been doing that all season. But 
uh, maybe in a smaller ballpark. We'll see what happens with UCLA. As far as Florida State goes, they got two guys. If, if Florida State beats UCLA in that first game, we're going to see a really good, um, whether it's Parker Messick or Bryce Hubbard, it, it we'll see. But those guys are both in the low threes, 3.36 ERA and a 3.18 ERA. Those guys are both going to be uh, seen this weekend, and they're going to be lights out. Talking to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. Look, at the end of the year, Auburn baseball, they tripped up a few times, especially in the SEC tournament against Kentucky in their very first game. What does Auburn baseball have to do to get back on track to become that dominant team that we know they are this weekend in the regional? Yeah, one of the things that I expect to see is Cole Foster back out there starting at second base. We haven't seen him in several weeks, and he was really hitting it well in SEC play. His average for the whole season doesn't look it, but he's hitting above 300 in SEC play, and he's got some home runs that have been really big for Auburn throughout this season and he's a switch hitter adds another left-handed bat to the lineup there's a lot of things that come with Cole Foster getting back in the lineup uh, more than just his glove at second base so uh, that'll be a good start but as far as everything else goes I, I look at Kentucky as a team that got really high they got really desperate as they knew they needed to go deep into that SEC tournament to make the NCAA tournament and it still wasn't enough so I, I think that you, you caught a team at the wrong time four times and uh the bats weren't there. I would say that the bats weren't there. You hit a few solo home runs against Kentucky in Lexington. Then you hit another one. Sonny DeShera ties up the game in the eighth inning in, on Tuesday in Hoover, and it wasn't enough. So I, I want to see some more rallies from this. Blake Rambush, he wasn't as good against Kentucky as you'd like to see. And there's other guys throughout the lineup that just kind of have to get back to what they were doing. Uh, uh, it just feels like everyone hit the rut at the wrong time. But this week and a half off, I think probably helped this team a little bit. And looking ahead for Auburn baseball, I know we don't want to do that too much, but if Auburn (laughs) is able to win this weekend, they are looking at some of the teams above them that if they lose, Auburn could be hosting a super regional. What do you think about that? Yeah, I look at that Corvallis region that, uh, that Auburn is matched up with, and Vanderbilt is a dangerous team. We saw what they could do um, uh, the weekend before LSU. And then they go to LSU and don't really show anything. The week, the weekend before the final regular season weekend, I was saying Vanderbilt was the team to look out for at Hoover. But then with the showing they put up at home against LSU, I was completely turned off of them. But you never know what can happen uh, as the clock turns to postseason play. So I, I'm looking at Vanderbilt. And, I mean, in a perfect world, Auburn's not going to Corvallis, but Vanderbilt might be coming to Auburn for that second weekend in June. Well, Jacob Hillman, we appreciate you and your time. Hey, look, man, we made it through the interview. No technical difficulties. How about that? We made it through well, the interview. And uh, look, awesome. I, yeah, exactly. I'm glad you were able to stop by. I'm glad we were able to get it in. Always good talking to you, man. Hey, let everybody know uh, where they can keep up with you. Yeah, y'all follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU. I'll be at Plainson Park this weekend looking for a fun, fun regional. Absolutely. Well, man, let's talk again on Monday, and we'll stick to that, huh? Uh, Let's do that. Maybe maybe no more technical difficulties (laughs) in our future. That's right. Hey, man, have a great weekend, and uh, War Eagle to you, man. War Eagle, you as well. That was Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network letting us know everything going on with Auburn basketball, football, and, of course, the NCAA Regional at Plainsman Park this weekend with Auburn baseball. Let's take our final break here in hour number two. 
If you want to call in last minute, I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Stay tuned. We're going to wrap up the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins wrapping up the Wednesday edition of the show. We just had uh, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. He's usually on Mondays, but of course we didn't have the Monday show uh, due to Memorial Day, so we were able to have him on today. He gave us a good rundown of some Auburn basketball news, talking about Dylan Cardwell and Alan Flanagan coming back. Also talked about Brian Harson's new podcast and why that's a good thing for Auburn uh, fans, Auburn football in general. And then uh, he gave us everything we needed to know about the NCAA regional that Auburn will be hosting this weekend at Plainsman Park. So if you missed any of that interview or any other part of today's show, make sure you go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. We've got just a few more minutes here before we wrap up. Make sure you stay tuned. It'll be The Drive with Dan Beck and Bill Cameron right here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Uh, They will have everything you need to know going on in the world of sports. So make sure you stay tuned from 4 to 6. That is The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck. Again, just a few more minutes before we get out of here. And look, my final take today is with Auburn basketball talking about Dylan Cardwell and Alan Flanagan. Okay, my final take is this. It's good news that both of them decided to come back. Dylan Cardwell and Alan Flanagan are two guys that, um, look, they're two guys that make impacts on Auburn's basketball team and make impacts on Auburn's basketball program. They've been there for a while. They are good basketball players, okay? They are. They are good basketball players with a lot of basketball skills. Have they shown it to their full potential at times? No. But I think them testing the NBA waters was a good idea because, look, most of these guys want to go and play in the NBA. They do. They want to go and play professional basketball. They want to get paid to play. And it's smart that they now have the option to where you can go and test the NBA draft waters, but you don't actually have to go to the NBA. And I think that's smart to at least go and figure out where you stand. That's smart to do. They did that. They now know, hey, we're not ready quite yet, but we still have some work to do. Now they can come back. They can come back to Auburn and play for a program on the rise, play for a program that is trying to compete for a national championship, and you can play for one of the best coaches in all of college basketball in Bruce Pearl. I think it's smart that they did it. I think it's smart that they decided to come back, and Auburn will benefit from both of them coming back. Dylan Cardwell and Alan Flanagan are key components to this basketball team. Do I think either one of them should start? No. Will they? I think Alan Flanagan will. And here's why. He will start because he's been here before. This is his senior year. He's been here before. He has skill and he has potential. You heard Jacob Hillman talk about it. The pre-injury Alan Flanagan was good. I talked about that. He was on first round NBA draft boards. 
the guy can play. But ever since his Achilles injury, it's held him back. And I think he can get back to that point. He has a lot of skill. He knows how this program is run. And I think he's a benefit to this team, but not in the starting role. Because we've seen him struggle a lot more than we've seen him be successful as of last year, right? We saw Alan Flanagan struggle a lot. There was a couple of games where he played really well. But most of the time, he struggled. He struggled to play at a high level. He struggled to find his role on this new team. He struggled to find his skill set again. And I think that hurt Auburn at times because those are valuable minutes that somebody else can be playing. Until he gets back to that point, let somebody else take it. I think that should happen this year, but it won't. And it is not because of his father being a coach. I know that's the common thing to say. Does it hurt his chances as being a starter? No, but that's not the reason. Okay, Bruce Pearl, I trust in him to make the decision that if Alan Flanagan or anybody else needs to be benched, he will do it, no matter who their daddy is, right? No matter who their father is, he will bench them if that is the right move for the team. I think that is the case. I trust in Bruce Pearl to do that. Dylan Cardwell, on the other hand, he has never been a true starter. He's a fantastic player coming off the bench. And especially this year, when Auburn has some guys that can play an athletic five and play a more advanced five position, you can go to your bench. You can go to your bench and bring in somebody like Dylan Cardwell, who is big and physical and high energy. That is big time. Championship level teams have guys like Dylan Cardwell. That is why it's good that he and Alan Flanagan are coming back to Auburn basketball for one more year. That's it for the Wednesday edition of On the Line. I'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.